Broadcasting to New York City, Los Angeles, Chicago, Sydney, London, and around the world, this is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live on 101.3 KPCG. Coming up on today's program, a look at a couple of stories from the headlines that are Pretty interesting and uh, important, too, in uh, different ways. Also, the Trumpet.com and the Trumpet Daily Radio Show will preview what uh, you can see there today. Uh, today's the 29th of November. Interesting historical note to look at. And also, we'll look at the second key to understanding the Bible as we look at the authority of the Bible. That and more are coming up on this edition of Trumpet Radio Live. This is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live. We're at 101.3 KPCG. And online, a couple of places you can go to listen to the live stream, kpcg.fm, and live stream at thetrumpet.com as well. Dwight Falk, Grant Turgeon with you here today. On this Wednesday, it is a cloudy Wednesday here in Edmond, Oklahoma City area. A little bit of rain on and off. Was it sprinkling when he came in or is it done? No, it seems like it's trying to figure out if it wants to start raining or not. I've given up on looking at my weather app because it lies. It doesn't <laughs> tell me. It always tells me things and it misdirects me. So uh, I'm giving up on it. But, uh, yeah, so we've got a little bit of the cooler fall weather. Uh, do you know off the top of your head, what's the first day of winter officially? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's probably a lot later than this. I'm going to have to, yeah, I'm going to have to look it up. My uh, daughter was telling me about the first day of winter today, and I'm like, I don't know if that's the first day of winter or not. But, yeah, the uh, first day of summer is always shockingly late, like the very end of June, which is weird for us because uh, school ends at the end of May, and then you have your summer break starting at that time. But other places, especially uh, farther up north, I believe, end their school year in June as well. Thursday, December the 21st, winter solstice. Go. So thank you, Internet, for giving me information. <laughs> my, my daughter was trying to convince me it was the first day of December, and I said, I don't think so. That seems a little early. But she's six. Mm. She doesn't know anything. It's in December. <laughs> she meant it's in December sometimes. Yeah, So, but actually I do I do uh, a lot of times uh, take her word for it because being in uh, kindergarten, they're learning all these things for the first time, you know, mm-hmm. first day of fall, first day of winter. So uh, she's got me before where I thought she didn't know, but she actually did know <laughs> because, uh, you know, that's that's one of the big things you do in kindergarten. You come in and what's the day today? Let's look at the calendar. And then as you get to be an adult, you just don't pay attention anymore to those things. Yeah, and they, they get some pretty fun presentations from people who work here, but they're from different countries. So they have some pretty... Really fun, I guess I would say, really fun activities. And I guess you said you were reading that book <laughs> to them recently. Yeah, I read last week. I read a book to the class. Uh, I think it's called "If You Give a Cat a Cupcake." <laughs> and then um, it was uh, my wife had the idea to read the book and then make cupcakes. She made cupcakes and brought them in, so um, the kids loved it. I think, and uh, it's a funny story if you get a chance to check it out. It's just uh, I've never read it before, but uh, but I thought it was it was quite entertaining. And it's for young kids. <laughs> And then when I was leaving, some of the uh, older kids were outside for their lunch, and uh, I went up to them and said, hey, you, you guys wanna, want me to read this book to you? 
<laughs> None of them took me up on it. They wanted to play football instead. Yeah, of course. They, they I, I see them on the playground trying to be cool sometimes. They don't want to be embarrassed by something like that. No, they don't want to be embarrassed. <laughs> I did. I, my son was there too, and, and he's uh, he's almost twelve now, so he's you know older. And his buddies were there, and I said, "Hey, you want a hug before I go?" <laughs> He's like, no. Got <laughs> 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 to embarrass, embarrass the kids a little bit. I was a little bit sad that your wife vetoed that idea that you had about your massive cupcake oh, at yeah. that story time. Yeah, I, was, I thought it'd be funny to give the kids a little cupcake and then pull out one for me that was huge. <laughs> <laughs> Just look at their faces as I devour this cupcake. I'm like, what? I'm a full-grown man. <laughs> Just a little kid. What do you expect? Yeah, these cupcakes are proportional to your body size. You're a child. I'm a man. I need, I need huge cupcakes. So anyway, it's, uh, it's fun to uh, have those things with those kids from time to time. Uh, lots of lots going on in the news. Here's a, the big story today everywhere. NBC fires Matt Lauer for inappropriate sexual behavior. He's the next to fall in this um, this whole uh, sexual uh, assault uh, story, I guess. Savannah Guthrie, Lauer's Today Show co-host, made the announcement to viewers on the air at the top of Wednesday's show. He's worked there for almost 20 years. Yeah, that was really surprising to hear about. And, you know, apparently he had some systems in place to, I guess, to have a producer bring women to him or something like that. Uh, it, it, I don't know. It just It's difficult because... A lot of men in those positions, or or women, or whatever, they can get a lot of perks like that, and if they they want to, they can get into some pretty bad things. Yeah, I think it used to be where maybe they felt they could get away with it more, and now now they can't. Uh, says uh, uh, this is what they read at the top of the show. They said this is a sad morning here today at the Today at NBC News. Uh, Guthrie said before reading a memo from NBC chairman Andy Lack to staffers before the show went to air. Lauer's 59. He's been with the Today Show since 1994. Uh, he became the co-anchor in 1998. Uh, Lauer's firing comes a little more than a week after CBS fired Charlie Rose. After the Washington Post published a report detailing allegations of sexual misconduct by eight women against him. And another source tells... Uh, tells this uh, right up here that the decision to fire Lauer was made late Tuesday night by NBC News chairman Andy Lack. Lauer's firing comes amid rumors that several news outlets were working on stories about his alleged sexual misconduct. Reporters for the New York Times have been investigating Lauer for several weeks. So I guess NBC realized that something was about to hit the press and they got in front of it. And so he's, you know, that's a very profitable uh, show for them, the Today Show. And he was very, uh, I don't know, some people didn't like him, but he was well-known at least. And um, so even he's gone now. So who replaces him? That's the question, I guess. Yeah, and it's incredible how all of these accusations are just, I guess they're snowballing. They're they're all coming one after the other. And some, in some cases, it's multiple women accusing the same man. And, I mean, it, it is pretty disturbing to see that that is uh, what all these public figures are into in their private lives. It does really bring to light the fact that um, anything you do, uh, even in, in privacy, God can expose that like the Bible says. Yeah, we were talking before we came on the air, just uh, is it going to get to the point where it's only women that are on television or, you know, not to say that they're above reproach either with, you know, certainly some personal decisions, but in general, you know, the men are the ones that are getting uh, really the limelight's falling on them right now. 
So interesting story there, and it was just it's interesting, obviously, if you go back and you look at some old clips from just a few months ago from the Today Show. You know, there he is, Matt Lauer, talking to a panel of ladies about Harvey Weinstein and other situations, and he himself was somewhat involved in some of these uh, things in his own personal life, apparently. And uh, I don't know. So, again, it's allegations, but uh, if they fired him, they probably had pretty good indication something happened. Yeah, and like you said, it, it might not always be just men, but the difference is that men are physically bigger and stronger, and so they pose, if they get into things like that, they can definitely be more of a physical threat and danger than a woman doing it to a man. Uh, but still, uh, that doesn't mean that men are the ones who are totally at fault in situations like this, and we've we've mentioned it before, there there does have to be some wisdom in any, any type of job or environment where both genders are there, you know, putting yourself in the right situations, dressing the right way, not being alone with certain people. Vice President Mike Pence set a pretty good example of that. There's no way he's ever going to get accused of anything. Yeah, there's a great write-up at thetrumpet.com about that exactly from uh, Stephen Flurry. Mike Pence was right. This is from November 29th, so uh, just uh, today. Uh, I think it was up there earlier as well, but it's on the blog today. Each day brings new allegations of sexual misconduct, and most occurred when a married man was alone with a woman who was not his wife. Of course, Mike Pence took a lot of heat over saying that, that he wouldn't take a private meeting with a woman without his wife there present. And they, oh, you know, that's old-fashioned. They even, they even tried to say it was sexist. And yet he's kept himself safe, at least. Now, I don't know all of his dealings, but for the most part, it appears that he's not been involved in these things. And I think even with the Lauer situation, uh, there were some accusations about something he did at the Olympics when they were covering that. You know, was he there by himself? Was his wife there? I don't know. But if, if you stay away from those bad situations, you stay away from trouble. Absolutely. And that's, I, I think that's a good example to all of us that something we can learn from is just using wisdom in situations like that and not expecting to just sort of uh, get away with putting ourselves in bad situations. Um, it, it only takes one person who might have something against you to outright lie. And that's, that's if you didn't do something. If you did do something, then what they would be accusing you of is actually true. Uh, Tucker Carlson gave a he, he told a pretty um, personal story about how he was accused of rape years ago, and he'd never even met the woman before. He had to spend months working with a lawyer and paying him a fortune to try to, uh, you know, clean, clear up his reputation. He had to keep the story from his kids so they wouldn't be ashamed of him. He had to keep the story from his employer so they wouldn't fire him immediately just upon hearing the accusation, regardless of whether it was actually true. Uh, that does reinforce the fact that a lot of these allegations may not be true. We don't know. I mean, it's it's basically his word against her word uh, most of the time. You can't always uh, dig through enough evidence to prove it either way. You just have to avoid being in those situations in the first place. Yep, avoid it. Avoid the appearance of evil, like the uh, the Bible says. And uh, you know, it's like anything in life. If you if you want to avoid trouble, stay away from trouble. You know, <laughs> if you if you don't want to. Uh, and take a chance of being robbed, stay out of the bad part of town late at night. You know, there's different different things you can do to just try to avoid problems. And so if nothing else, people didn't avoid problems, it looks like. But, uh, but two, there was a pretty good write-up this weekend um, I saw on a news site about how just they're casting out a pretty wide net here for this Me Too movement. And in some cases, people are doing things they shouldn't. In other cases, it's just accusations that maybe are not founded. 
it's getting hard to separate what's what within that uh, within all the, the different accusations that are out there. Yeah, and it seems like so many people want to be involved in that movement that they're saying, oh, well, this guy at one point asked me on a date, and I feel like it was sexual harassment. Therefore, it is sexual harassment. Well, it's interesting. It's just, uh, yeah, best to avoid those bad situations if you can, and uh, definitely check out uh, this write-up from uh, Mr. Stephen Flurry. Mike Pence was right. Some really good, uh, just practical uh, insight there about avoiding the appearance of it altogether if possible. Uh, here's a really interesting write-up. This is uh, from Bloomberg today. And, uh, of course, climate change is a, a big topic. And uh, particularly with uh, the Obama administration, it definitely was a major part of their thinking and their ideology. And they they did a few things that were uh, sort of dictatorial, getting us involved in climate accords and things without any sort of vote on it. And here, here's this headline today. Uh, Moody's warns cities in the U.S. to address climate risk or face downgrades as far as their credit worthiness. So this, um, this seems like bullying <laughs> to me, like some sort of almost like a threat. If you don't, if you don't address uh, climate risk according to what we think you should do, uh, you're not going to have access to credit like you want. Yeah, I'm trying to think of how that would even relate to uh, addressing climate change. I guess if you're in certain cities like Miami, you might try to build dams or something like that, maybe to uh, make sure that some of your infrastructure isn't destroyed, and therefore uh, they'd be more willing to give you a higher credit rating. I'm not really sure, but um, it does seem like that's not too related to a credit rating. Yeah, they're looking at cities that are in uh, a lot of them coastal areas, uh, floodplains, things like that. And now th- there probably is something to be said about good city planning and management, mm-hmm. of course. But but to, to put it all together with this climate talk is just interesting. It says, Coastal communities from Maine to California have been put on notice from one of the top credit rating agencies. Start preparing for climate change or risk losing access to cheap credit. You know, if a hurricane comes and wipes out a city, is it climate change or is it a hurricane? I right. mean, we, they're saying it's climate change, like matter of fact. Uh, and then, you know, some of the things they're laying out are maybe kind of common sense. Like, yeah, don't build in a floodplain if you can help it. But does it stop there or does it go further? That You know, that's kind of the interesting thing. In a report to its clients Tuesday, Moody's Investors explained how it incorporates climate change into its credit ratings for state and local bonds. If cities and states don't deal with risks from surging seas or intense storms, they are at greater risk of default, and therefore they lose uh, their credit worthiness. So I, I do think it's threatening in a way. Yeah, I think it is. And, and you did make a great point as well about how uh, we are trying to find a physical reason for why natural disasters are increasing. We blame the climate changing, although that doesn't seem to be too much of an issue because it, it does fluctuate a degree or two here and there. Uh, but there's really no other physical explanation for things like this. So that's that's basically the best that man can come up with. Uh, or you just say that there is no problem and there's nothing to worry about. Neither one of those positions is true because we know that God is bringing a hurricane. And if, if, if he brings a hurricane on a city, or he allows it to happen at least, does it really matter if you set up a few extra dams or you do a few extra projects to try to fight against it? You're fighting against God. Yeah, it's a good point. There, there definitely is no talk about a creator God that might 
might bring whether one way or the other, good, bad, or, or you know, uh, one of the two. And, of course, the Bible talks a lot about that. We have a good write-up about that, why natural disasters at thetrumpet.com. But when you think about the climate change uh, situation, there's a really good write-up here. It's just from, uh, oh, I guess, a few months ago from the trumpet, from trumpet editor-in-chief Gerald Flurry. What the Paris Climate Agreement was really about, he says it was deeply significant, but not for the reasons people think. He said climate change has become something like a religion for the radical left. They believe it as an article of faith, regardless of the evidence. It is a tool they are using to increase their control. So it's about control. President Trump correctly recognized that the Paris Agreement took matters out of the control of the people. And so that's an issue, too. You know, the cities have a right to decide what they want to do, don't they? Mm. Do they give up their control to Moody's? <laughs> right. Yeah, that, that brings up an even more uh, worry, worrisome point that uh, while there are people who legitimately are trying to find the cause of these issues, there are other people who are in charge and trying to increase uh, their own power. I mean, if you if you look at someone like, Al Gore, he got very rich off of the whole climate change hoax. Um, it, and we know, we also know that a lot of that uh, idea is to lower America down, down to a level of the rest of the world by basically giving money to these other nations and making them catch up. Yeah, this, this write-up here about uh, uh, the climate accords from the trumpet, it, it, all, it goes on to say that uh, in a written statement, Mr. Obama commented on Trump's withdrawal from the accord and said, even as this administration joins a small handful of nations that reject the future, <laughs> uh, I'm confident that our states, cities, and businesses will step up and do even more to lead the way and help protect uh, for future generations the one planet we've got. And it says Mr. Obama has left office. But he is still doing all he can to promote his agenda along with the radical left. Here he is encouraging states, cities, and businesses to undermine the policy established by the president. So here Moody's comes along and says, um, if, you, if the cities don't do what we think they should do to address climate change, we're going to lower your credit rating. <clears throat> and that Bloomberg article says, uh, some uh, worried that Moody's is being too optimistic about cities' desire to adapt to the risks associated with climate change. In other words, they don't want to do this. Well, this one individual, Shalini Vajahala, <laughs> I don't know if I said that right, a former Obama administration official who consults with cities on preparing for climate change, says that won't happen on a large scale until cities start facing consequences for failing to act. In this case, a ratings downgrade. Here comes a former Obama administration official saying, you better do it or else. Yeah, and we really do need to consider President Obama, the former President Obama's background. Uh, he had so many people influencing his upbringing who were communists. That's the heart of the climate change issue. It's to degrade America's greatness, put America at the same level as the rest of the world. A and you see that because the climate change accords basically meant that America funneled billions of dollars, hundreds of billions of dollars to other nations, and at the same time, they were cutting down on their business output. Their factories couldn't produce as much carbon dioxide or carbon monoxide, and then at the same time, the biggest polluters like Russia and China and India don't have to cut back at all. Uh, what, what kind of a deal is that? So basically, America is giving up its money, they're cutting back on their production, and they're trying to help these other nations uh, become greater. That's not America's job. Well, and like this Moody's piece, uh, well, it's a couple of things that are interesting. Number one, 
It's just uh, Moody's, or it's from Bloomberg about Moody's. It says, you know, if they don't address climate change. So climate change is presented as absolute fact. Right. Okay, well, let's see some statistics. <clears throat> let's see some data, and not your fabricated data. You haven't even proved it. And so that's number one. They're just forcing it on people like fact. Number two, okay, what if cities say, yes, you know, we, <clears throat> we're going to make changes. Well, does it stop with floodplains or does it go to factory output, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, that's, that's the real threat of it is that it is trying to hurt the American economy. Uh, and when that happens, the government then says, well, the economy is suffering. We need to step in. That's when the government gets huge and it can take over all the industry, which is what communism is. You can just see step by step how that plan works. And for Moody's to do something like that, it is extremely authoritative. It's not necessarily within their realm to do something like that, probably. Can we downgrade Moody's? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, because like it's pointed out in this trumpet article, I mean, the the law of the land from from the top is we're out of those climate accords. Like we're not looking mm-hmm. at that. And here Moody's comes along and says, we'll downgrade your cities unless you do, unless you, you know, make these changes for climate change. Um, so again, it's just undercutting the president uh, and undercutting the, the, well, and they even, they joined the climate accords uh, in a dictatorial fashion. <laughs> so a new president comes along and says, we want out of there. It's not even probably legal that we're in it in the first place. And then here comes Moody's undercutting it all again. Yeah, we, we have seen, a pretty big move uh, back to common sense, at least with this climate change issue where the president basically says, well, we didn't get into it the right way. Now we're going to listen to the American people who elected me and get out of this because this is not the main concern of most people who have a manual labor job, who are part of the working class or the middle class. They're not losing sleep at night thinking about the, the, dastardly issue of climate change right it's it's not something that is a priority to most people uh, really the ones who care about it are coastal liberal elites who don't have a job that gets affected by cutting back on industry like that well and as pointed out also in this trumpet um article <coughs> excuse me is that uh the rest of the world doesn't uphold any sort of standard it's just about knocking the u.s off and, and funneling a bunch of money into the u.n uh, China's not going to do anything. <laughs> they have so much pollution in India right now. It's like smoking. How many cigarettes a day was it? Like 30-something. No, do- yeah. Nobody's doing anything about it, but the U.S. is supposed to hold to this impossible standard. It is insane how uh, we are imposing something, or at least we used to impose something like that on ourselves. I mean, again, America is by far the greatest when it comes to uh, preserving the environment. It, the rest of the world needs to do its part. That's pretty common sense and again and it's pointed out right at the top of that uh, trumpet right up there um what the paris climate agreement was really about everybody wants to see you know no pollution everybody wants to see the earth being treated the right way of course there's no doubt about that but but these policies aren't about that it's about control it's about (laughs) it's about control and, uh, you know, when you control the money or you can control people's credit ratings, you can control a lot of things. I think people should be nervous about that in general because what happens if something comes along that you personally don't agree with? And they say, well, unless you absolutely agree with what we say, you know, we're just not going to, you know, give you a line of credit or we're just not going to give you a mortgage or we're just not going to do this, that or the other. You, you Pretty soon you've surrendered all your control. Yeah, and think of the arrogance of a credit company <laughs> trying to, defy what the federal government 
has uh, instituted here. It's, it's not their role. It's not their job. It's it's just, uh, I guess that's a breach of basic justice there. When, when they're trying to uh, bully cities, they're trying to bully human beings who have have voted for a president who does not want any any part to do in climate change insurance companies uh, they have a right to you know say we we won't insure you we think it's a bad situation or it's really risky so we're going to charge you a lot i mean that's they do that and then if you don't want to pay a huge amount or you want to have good insurance well then you then yeah you need to work within that but you in a lot of cases you have the freedom to not do that if you want to but that's all changing even with like health coverage right used to be you could choose if you wanted it well they said no you you have to have it and if you don't we're going to fine you anyway mm-hmm. <laughs> and so step by step it's about losing control to a massive you know oversight from government yeah and i have i have noticed and this is this seems to be the case uh almost across the board uh liberals leftists are very good at identifying problems but then when it comes to the solution it's just totally off the wall they they see that natural disasters are increasing they see that those things are hitting america all over the place all the time but then they try to find a physical reason for it they don't look to the root cause which like we said it is spiritual and it actually gets back to what we talked about earlier with the sexual assault issues it gets back to morality if the people aren't close to god if they're not obeying god in any way god does curse the bible says that everywhere it says throughout the bible if you don't obey me you will be cursed that is that is pretty basic but it's not the way that people are trying to solve this problem yeah right i mean any of the problems we see the reason they exist is because of the breaking of god's law but people don't want to talk about god's law so well it's climate change or well men are terrible or it's white supremacy or it's whatever instead of you know maybe we're sinning maybe there are sins here uh, that everyone's involved in. <laughs> Who Who's going to cast the first stone here and say, you know, I have not committed any sins and the rest of you follow my example? Well, each of those supposed solutions that you just mentioned are off the wall crazy, totally insane. But that's what happens when you go totally to the other extreme of not even believing God exists or totally thinking that God doesn't have any authority. Then you have some pretty crazy ideas. Those are the ideas that man, apart from God, can come up with, that it's all climate change's fault, it's toxic masculinity, uh, whatever else. Those are the solutions that you come up with when God is not involved. And then, uh, of course, the more they dig into those supposed causes and the more problems that come from it all. So just it keeps spiraling. Um, make sure you stop and check out thetrumpet.com today. Top story today. This is really interesting by Dennis Leap, who's host of uh, Just the Best Literature here on KPCG. Not spanking shows a lack of love. Proper parental discipline of children, including spanking, is not child abuse. And, of course, proper parental discipline, as he notes, obviously sometimes people can be extreme and cause problems there. But um, uh, that's something that's, uh, well, it's interesting. I, I think probably depending on what part of the country you're in, there's different thoughts on that spanking. I've been... Even recently, I was out somewhere publicly, and I heard somebody <laughs> tell their kid, like, I'm going to spank you. you know? Me too, actually. So, you know, I hear it a fair <laughs> bit. I don't know if they ever follow through or if they do it the right way, but they weren't they weren't nervous about saying it publicly. So some places are more open to that. Some places are very much against it. Very true, and, and that is such an important um, issue, or at least it's a it's something to look into for, for parents because um, when, when you really think about it, what's more precious than children who are well-behaved and they're... They're childlike. They they truly are 
um, you know, they're they're innocent, they're behaving the right way because their parents made sure that that happened. And I don't know too many children who behave that way unless spanking is involved. It's a it's a hot topic, obviously, and yeah, I do think it's, it's sort of a, a state by state divide uh, where some people will will think that's mm-hmm. more appropriate and others uh, will not. But uh, so make sure you read that article today. Uh, not spanking shows a lack of love. There's all kinds of really bizarre ideas about out there about well, really everything, but but parenting. I mean, you if you go to a bookstore, you know, you know shelf after shelf, there's all kinds of different ideas out there. And, uh, they seem to be more and more off the wall, but uh, <laughs> they they just get they get they want to get away from uh, the biblical model. I mean, where does the idea of of that even come from? Spanking in the first place. Well, the Bible says if you you know um, you need to uh, direct your children the right way, and when they get old, they won't depart from it. And if you, if you don't properly deal with them, uh, they're going to end up with some real problems. We have to look at the fruits here as well. Um, the millennial snowflake generation of these these arrogant entitled entitled children going to college and rioting and protesting about everything uh they have come from this climate of saying that spanking is child abuse that that has been a recent change in this country and look what it has produced we have we have these kids now who think they know everything they they're totally lawless and that does start in the home yeah it's interesting when you see it could be a riot on a college campus or some major protest of people yelling or uh, uh, even just gang problems in the city. You know, I always think, well, when they were young, those people, if they had had parents that would have come and said, hey, you knocked that off (laughs) and made sure that they did, I don't think they'd be out there today doing it. But you just see it. You just see a uh, absolute lack of Mm -hmm. self-control with a lot of things in society. And, uh, you know where do you get self control from like how you, somebody has to teach you that we're not we're not born with some natural self control built in <laughs> obviously <laughs> if you've ever seen a child or many adults somebody has to teach that somewhere along the line to okay just calm down just control yourself a little bit here <laughs> just because you're upset doesn't mean you have a right to go screaming and you know causing a big scene uh, so we see that in society uh, a very um, uh, prominent lack of self control and in probably every case, it gets back to what happened when people were children. Yeah, I was I was recently over in Israel, and we were sitting in the hotel lobby, and there were these there was a, a young boy and a young girl who were basically they were acting like they owned the the room because they had this one boy had this uh, little plastic bike. He was zooming around past all the tables, almost running into people who were walking through the lobby. Uh, they were throwing a hacky sack at each other at one point. I think they were wrestling on the ground, and it was like it was extremely unpleasant to be in the room with them. And I found out later that that's kind of a cultural thing that um, the parents over there just kind of let their kids go. Well, that's the that's the result. Is if you never discipline them, never tell them what to do, never set any guidelines. Well, they do become a nuisance to everyone else. And and on the flip side of that, I know plenty of uh, parents who do discipline their children, and they're just an absolute joy to be around. The the fruits tell you everything, and spanking is heavily involved with uh, parenting the right way. As you get older in life, there are restrictions that occur. You know, you, you can't do certain things, and but you have to be taught that when you're young that that you have to, there are certain restrictions, certain things you can't do or shouldn't do and to control yourself, you know, that it, it saves a lot of uh, trouble down the road uh, for adults because as is pointed out in some, some really good write-ups about child rearing that you can find at the trumpet is that 
okay, well, if 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 a child's not taught self-control, you have an adult that doesn't have self-control, and a lot of those people are in the uh, prison systems. Exactly. I was, and I was actually told that over there in Israel, it's pretty commonplace for the children to literally be walking around on a leash with their parents holding the end of the leash, wow. just because they can't they can't tell their kids anything to do and, and trust that the kid will do it. That that comes from a lack of discipline, and like you said, it does carry on to when you get older. If you think that you run the world when you're five years old, how are you going to feel when you're four times that age and you're actually you actually have a, a larger body and you've apparently accumulated some knowledge? You're probably going to act in a way that will get you to end up in prison. Yeah, that's or it's it's funny. Um, some of the ideology about child rearing it flies e- even even their own thinking about it more of the. Uh, the modern thinking even flies in the face of other modern teachings. For example, the, they might say, well, the kid's misbehaving, but he'll grow out of it. But then on the flip side, we're told, well, there's systematic racism and there's no way you can not be that way. <laughs> well, which one is it? Can you grow out of things? Do you just naturally grow out of things or do you not? Because you're being, we're being told both things depending on what the topic happens to be that day. You know, t- take a pick, make, make a pick on something <laughs> here. Just, but, but there's a lot of things like that where in one instance you're told one thing and then another instance you're told the exact opposite because it's more convenient for the argument. And the common thread to all of that is just no personal responsibility whatsoever. If you are a child, you can do whatever you want. It's never your fault. You never do anything wrong. Therefore, don't need any discipline. Then when you get older, uh, you can do the same things. And I, I would think the same thing goes for blaming everything on racism. If it's all racism's fault, then, well, obviously, it's not your fault. So that's kind of a nicer way to look at things. Yeah, it's really interesting. Great write-up at thetrumpet.com. Not spanking shows a lack of love. Um, we'll, have to, we'll have to talk to Mr. Leap later and see what uh, some of the comments is that, that, oh, yeah. that he gets back. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Trumpet Daily Radio Show with your host, Stephen Flory. Make sure you listen for that today. He talked about a few things, including the topic of courage, having the courage to act, looking at some uh, biblical examples of people that had courage to step out and act when uh, it was necessary. Also covering another big story from yesterday, North Korea says a breakthrough puts U.S. mainland within range of nuclear weapons. Kim Jong-un declares North Korea a nuclear power. The new uh, Hasong-15 missile can reach all of the U.S. Probably didn't say that right. North from North Korea. Missile lands in Japan, exclusive economic zone, and Russia and China both expressed concern. Oh, I'm sure they did. <laughs> <laughs> they could stop it, but uh, now they're just concerned. But anyway, that was, uh, you know... Big deal. You get the red the red headlines yesterday about them launching another one of those uh, missiles. Yeah, I heard one of these military leaders testifying that not only does North Korea have the technology needed, maybe with a few tweaks to work out, but still um, it also has the will to use it, which is the most terrifying part of that. If they had all of the nuclear technology in the entire world but weren't seriously going to use it, no one would be concerned. But it also seems like they might just be crazy enough to push that button. Yeah, and from what I've read about it and what's talked about on the Trump Daily Radio show is that um, it could be pretty effective. Uh, people wouldn't even have time to to do much of anything, and in some cases, maybe not even shoot it down. Wow. So, you know, we see the headline, oh, they launch one, and you think, wow, it's a dud, and they shot it into the ocean. Well, but what if it's not next time? It is something to think about. There's some really interesting write-ups of the Trumpet, and, and other, I think there's a video, too, about... North Korea, is it going to start World War III? See what uh, is said there. You're listening to Trumpet Radio Live here on 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm. 
You can follow us on uh, Twitter at KPCGFM. And if you have any emails, uh, comments you'd like to send, send those to comments at KPCG.FM. We're happy to take a look at those for you. Dwight Falk and Grant Turgeon with you here today. It's the 29th of November. Here's something that happened in history on this day. 1803, the U.S. Uh, completed the Louisiana Purchase. Good decision for us. That was a huge deal. That that literally more than doubled the size of America. Uh, got the French out of our backyard, which which definitely helps to to not have such a world power uh, directly to your west. Yeah, Louisiana was uh, uh, purchase was much larger, of course, than just Louisiana. It included all of present day Arkansas, Missouri, Iowa, Oklahoma where we are, <laughs> Kansas, Nebraska, plus... We'd be speaking French today. Right. <laughs> uh, Nebraska, plus part of what are now Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, New Mexico, Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, and Louisiana. It was bought from France in 1803. Total cost, $15 million. You sell homes for $15 million today. <laughs> uh, not worth it. Uh, really interesting uh, write-up on the Trump of this from a while back. Uh but it's an article on the United States and Britain prophecy. Again, it's by Trumpet editor in chief Gerald Flurry. And he says, Neither Britain nor America were powers until the 19th century, and suddenly they came into power. What was the cause? In 1804, the Lon- uh, London became the financial hub of the world, and from there, the British Empire became the greatest empire ever on this earth. In 1803, the 13 American states made the Louisiana Purchase. From there, we became the most powerful nation ever on earth. Prior to World War II, America and Britain acquired two-thirds of the cultivated resource of the resources of this earth. Never in history had anything like that ever happened, and never did a people spread and grow so quickly. What was the cause? The United States and Britain in prophecy makes the answer so wonderfully, wonderfully clear. It is deeply inspiring. You can get that book at thetrumpet.com. And, uh, yeah, the blessings of America, where did they come from? Uh, was it... Uh, well, white imperialism, or <laughs> did God bless America and uh, Britain? Yeah, and the most amazing part of that is it all it all stemmed from promises that God made to one man many thousands of years ago, and even though it took thousands of years for it to really go into motion, it was exactly as God said it would happen. Yeah, a great. It's a great. The book, the United States and Britain prophecy, is a great proof of God's existence and of Him fulfilling His promises because it goes step by step through how those promises were made to Abraham and then, you know, Israel sinned and they were withheld. And then exactly those amount of years later, uh, after the punishment, uh, here come the blessings. And so, but the uh, important part of it now is, okay, but if you don't obey God as a nation, uh, then those blessings go away. Uh, We still have a lot of blessings, but could anyone honestly look at the United States today and the UK today and say, uh, they're being continually blessed, or is it going the other direction now? I, I w- you would be hard-pressed to find anybody say, yeah, it's better. Like, it's getting better. I think everyone knows it's, it's heading uh, the other direction. Even back in, 18, in the 1860s, Abraham Lincoln said that the nation had forgotten God. Uh, it's a lot worse now, and it's almost like we give ourselves, as the people in these great nations, full credit for the blessings that we've received, as if somehow... American ingenuity is the reason why we are the greatest nation in the world. Or somehow, uh, I guess the great inventions or the economy or the financial prowess of Great Britain made it a world empire. Uh, That's not the case. We definitely uh, worked hard, but it wouldn't have amounted to much without God's blessings. Right, and that's... uh 
that we had an interesting uh, question the other day. We we have a uh, spokesman's club that uh, a few of us do, and uh, there's a topic session. People ask uh, some some questions, and we just have some debate about it. One of the questions was, you know, what people thought about the slogan "Make America Great Again." You know, it's a catchy slogan. A lot of people like it, but uh, I think the underlying problem with it is, is okay. But what would make America great again? You know, is it just getting out there and <laughs> getting back at it, or is it? repentance and seeking God. Abraham Lincoln said it was repentance. Right, and that the problem with that slogan, or at least the intent behind it, is that, well, we're going to get people back to work, we're going to improve the economy, and that's going to make America great again. Well, there's a spiritual element to why America was great in the first place, and we know that uh, even the conservatives in this country have compromised morally in in a, in a lot of ways and so God is not necessarily blessing us like he used to. Yeah, right. Even the um this whole situation with uh you know people getting caught up in the sexual harassment uh, uh trap, I guess. The, the people's only problem with that is that well, somebody didn't like it. You know, one of the parties said I don't like this. That was the problem. Well, there's a, so is it okay if if there's adultery or fornication as long as both people agree to it? People say, yeah. That's not what the Bible says. So we kind of pick and choose where we want to be, you know, quote-unquote righteous on some of these topics. Yeah, I mean, who who even waits until marriage to have sex anymore? That That's not a thing anymore. Uh, marriage is considered, even by a lot of conservatives, to be fine if it involves two men or two women, or at least not if it's marriage. Well, it doesn't affect our personal lives, so you can do whatever you want in your personal life. That's that is the stance of a lot of so-called conservatives now. Totally out the window has gone the all of all of the moral issues, all all of the issues that uh, really do determine whether God's going to actually bless us. He, it's not just a matter of how the economy is run. Yeah, and you you know you have to think about the example <clears throat> of Christ when when he was on earth and and the people brought him this woman caught in adultery in the very act <laughs> they're very they're very uh, specific about that and uh you know the implication there from from what you can read is that you know uh christ uh knew the sins of the other people as well and as they realized that they also had their issues they all sort of uh, slunk away uh from the oldest then down to the youngest because the youngest was probably a little more arrogant um and they said well where are your accusers <laughs> you know not that he condoned what the woman did, obviously, but okay, everybody that wants to bring forth these allegations, everybody's innocent here or not? What are we talking about? So if you're looking at the law of God, there's not a lot of uh, room for uh, finger pointing uh, with some of these things going on. And and that's exactly like what you said about um, Matt Lauer and Harvey Weinstein, how he Matt Lauer was talking about what Harvey Weinstein had done, and yet apparently he's been accused of doing something similar we don't know all the details of it but uh, that just shows you it there's a lot of hypocrisy right now where it's people are quick to get up and grandstand about the sins or the misdeeds of others but then all of a sudden they get exposed too we all have we all have um sins to deal with in our lives but for people to so quickly condemn others and then be exposed like that it, it just it, it does show that we we don't necessarily have that, uh, I guess, that humility or that self-awareness that we should. Yeah, it really gets back to <clears throat> that uh, sort of mob rule that we were talking about yesterday. Well, the general populace feels like these sorts of sins are okay. 
So that's that's fine, but we just don't like these other ones. Well, you know, our people look into the Bible for the right and the wrong of it, and that's not happening in many cases. Uh, we talk uh, this week. We're talking about the authority of the Bible again. You know, if we bring up anything and. You have to get back to the Bible for the answer to things. And so does it have authority? Well, of course it does. And there's a great reprint article on the trumpet.com, the authority of the Bible, that gets into details of how you can prove that. And we're looking at the seven keys to understanding the Bible. And the second key is what we want to talk about today. And that is the fact that salvation is creation. Uh, the usual idea preached in uh, the dark and confused world that we live in is that salvation is God's plan for repairing the damage caused by Satan in the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. So the idea being that you know man was this perfect creation, and then here comes Satan, and he tricks everybody, and now God's like, oh, no, what am I going to do? And he's trying to save people, uh, save as many souls as he can, and uh, not doing a great job of it. But, of course, that's not the truth of the matter. Yeah, exactly. And it, it seems like in every step along the way, God has been ahead of Satan. Satan thinks that he has thwarted God's plan by causing uh, Eve to be deceived and take the forbidden fruit and then pass it on to her husband, Adam. Satan then rejoices, thinking that uh, he has destroyed God's plan for man. And yet then then God sends Christ. Uh, Christ gets killed. Satan thinks that he has then ended the plan, and yet Christ is actually paying for the sins of all the rest of us. It, it just goes on and on and on. Uh, but the, I guess the crux of it is that God is always in charge, and there's a big reason why he created us and why he put us on earth. Yeah, there's uh, lots of just different thoughts in the even the Christian world about what <clears throat> salvation is. And again, a lot of it is you know, that this this is the only day of salvation today, so you have to get everyone to go out and confess Christ. And if, if they say that, then they're saved, and if they don't, then they're not. There's even people out there that just, uh, you know, kind of confess everything just in case. <laughs> you know, well, I don't know, but we'll just do everything. And so there's a lot of deception out there about that. Uh, the idea, of course, uh, it's a false one, and that false idea of what salvation is comes from Satan, and he's the god of this world, as the Bible reveals. And uh, his false narrative, it presents Satan at every turn as being more powerful than God, as succeeding in his rivalry, as you uh, pointed out. And, the, of course, that entire concept is a lie. Uh, and, and really, if you look around, and, and a lot of thinking people do, they say, well, okay, if um, you have to, you know, accept Christ or else you're lost forever, what about all the millions of people that, and probably it's higher number than that, that have never even had a chance and never even heard it. How can that be fair? People get disillusioned with religion, but really what they get disillusioned with is false religion. The, the truth of it's a beautiful thing. Everyone's going to have their chance to know God and, and work towards um, salvation. Yeah, and the problem with traditional Christianity is they don't have that uh, true vision of where this life leads. They, they think you either die and go to heaven or you die and go to hell. Uh, when you go to heaven, there's not really much of a purpose for it. You're not actually a God being at that time. Uh, so if you don't have that vision of the future, you might just think, well, it's a rush to save as many souls right now. It's not a matter of God's timing. We have to go out there on missionary missions around the world, uh, and we have to convert the souls of uh, the pagans in other nations. That's, that's kind of what the idea is because they don't really know uh, what the future holds. Yeah, and there's uh, obviously many religions in the earth with a lot of people that have different ideas, and that's why you have so many conflicts 
between Islam and Christianity. They had some just wildly different ideas. Uh, somebody's right or somebody's wrong. Maybe they're both wrong. <laughs> In this case, uh, both are wrong. <laughs> so the question is then, what is what is salvation? I mean, that's a big theme of the Bible. Uh, salvation, is, this is Mr. Armstrong says, salvation is merely the completing of creation. Creation was not completed 6,000 years ago uh, at the time described in Genesis 1, talking about man's creation. That was merely the first or material phase of a creator now still going on. The spiritual creation is a process continuing according to God's plan today. And so that's that's what people have to understand when they're thinking about the Bible or why life and why humans is that, okay, there's a physical time to live, which those of us that are alive are having now, and but there's also a spiritual creation that goes on in people's minds if they have God's spirit and they have the choice to then, you know, once their minds are opened, start thinking like God, acting like God, living like God, developing that type of thinking, the mind of God. We're told to do that in the Bible. Let this mind be in you. That's in Jesus Christ. That's an ongoing process. That's a spiritual creation within man. Uh, very few have that uh, God spirit today, but for those who do, that's the, the spiritual side of it. So people say, well, why life or, you know, why physical existence? It's just uh, it's just part of the process. Exactly. And it, and it does end in a much more real, a much greater spiritual life without any of the ailments that we might be going through now, the health problems or the, uh, I guess, the weaknesses that we have as human beings. Those things will be gone in the future. Uh, but right now it is like a proving ground. And, and it's just like God did with the angels on Earth originally. He, he put that put them on earth to try to see if they could uh, rule and if, if they could administer God's government on the earth the right way. And when they failed, then men ca- man came along and our potential is actually even greater than theirs because we can become literally born as God's sons, spiritually born. The angels never had that opportunity. Right. And, and the, the beauty of the, the part of this plan with man is that if somebody just absolutely says, I'm not going to live this way, which I think to be very few, but <laughs> some may, then, then their misery can end. They don't have to keep living and living and living like the devil does. Uh, Mr. Armstrong said that man was created purposefully uh, in the mere physical image of God, just temporary, a free moral agent. In other words, you can make a choice. What do you want to do? With possibility uh, revealed to him, of receiving as God's gift the very spiritual nature of God, so that he may, by God's power, be made into a perfect, righteous, spiritual character, and then given immortality as God's gift. Um, you know, it's in the in the eyes of many people that process is sort of reverse. Like, oh, we have this immortal spirit now; we just have to try to be good. And that's not the case. God's saying, "This is a testing ground for you. You have a choice, and if you choose to live my way, and if you grow and you develop." Once, you know, you're given uh, God's spirit, then, uh, uh, then, you know, salvation is offered once you've proven it first that you want to go this way. And, uh, in traditional Christianity, it kind of reverses that, that, well, you're going to, you're going to, you have this immortal spirit anyway, and then, uh, you just have to be good somewhere along the line. And that's, that's all there is to it. But, uh, it's a complete reversal and misunderstanding of what God's plan actually is. And like you said, there is a whole lot more hope in the truth of the matter than there is in uh, traditional Christianity's teaching of it. Because if everyone has an immortal soul, that means that Hitler and Stalin live forever. They just have to suffer in hell. 
but then there's even also a lot a lot of other people who may not have been that despicable who just have never heard the name of Jesus Christ and because they're they have immortal souls they're also going to live and suffer forever in hell all these people are, who apparently never said they believe on Jesus Christ will have to have that type of eternal life of suffering uh, but if you don't have that immortal soul and you you receive immortality at the right time uh, what that means is that you're only going to be living forever in joy and harmony and happiness and, and not not in a, a state of eternal suffering yeah it would be it would be really cruel to create people and then say well you're going to live forever one way or the other and, but Lottie is just going to suffer I mean, that'd be cruel it'd be worse than never living at all so yeah, it, yeah. and yet the I guess uh, traditional Christianity turns it around and acts like well if people are just dead now and they're not watching over us from heaven that's also cruel that's not not if you have the long view and you understand that everyone will be given a chance to live forever in the near future and only in happiness and not in misery right christ described that physical death as sleeping you know and uh it's very temporary very temporary that's right and so there there's two parts to the creation here is pointed out the first part of creation is man being made physical the second part is man developing the character of God, using the power of God's spirit to think like God. And I mean, you can see that in Genesis one twenty six. God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. There's two parts to that there. So character, as Mr. Armstrong points out here, is created by experience. And experience requires time, and therefore it is a process. As Jesus Christ, our example, learned by suffering, so do we. So sometimes there's trouble in this life or difficulties or just experiences, and that's all part of our development and uh, developing God's character. Even people that aren't called today and their minds aren't opened, they'll have their chance in the future, but still they're having experiences today. They're learning things, and they'll think back, I'm sure, and think, oh, yeah, I remember going that way, and it didn't work out so well. <laughs> you know, even if you look at how, how kids come up, they learn from experience. You can tell them something, but a lot of times they need the experience to really understand it. And that's the same thing with, uh, with mankind today. And so that's the, uh, the second key to uh, understanding the Bible, understanding that salvation is creation. And uh, it's a continual process in people that God is working with. And the great news is, is that everybody's going to have that chance. There's not going to be anybody that slips through the cracks. Oh, we forgot about so-and-so. That'd be <laughs> terrible. Everyone's going to have that chance uh, in, their, in their time. And it certainly is nice to live with a with that perspective and to be able to wake up every day excited to grow and experience things and and, and try to be preparing for that kind of an eternal future. And, and also to know that everyone else who doesn't even know about it right now will have a chance. We don't have to desperately be going on missionary trips around the world to try to save them now. Yeah, it's a great point. It does bring a lot of hope and purpose to life because there, there's a lot of depression out there. There's a lot of sort of purposelessness well, what's the point well when you understand what god's doing with mankind then you see there's a really great point to uh to getting up and and uh you know making a uh, a real effort every day to to grow and to overcome and to develop uh so it does give a lot of hope to uh people and and really you know as the bible says if we have hope just in this life it's 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 pretty hopeless or it's pretty miserable because you, you can be the richest person in the world, but you're not taking it with you. <laughs> right. And so even people that have a high level of success a lot of times find themselves hopeless if they don't uh, know what the future holds for them. 
yeah, and is this a really a life that we want to have hope in when we see the headlines and we see all the sexual assault allegations and things like that? That's there's there obviously has to be something more, something more hope filled and, and uplifting than that to look to, or else you could understand why a lot of people do get depressed. Yeah, for sure. The Authority of the Bible. It's a great reprint article. Make sure you check that out at thetrumpet.com, and we'll uh, continue to look at some of those uh, keys to understanding the Bible as we uh, go through this week. That's all the time we have for uh, today on Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us on this uh, Wednesday edition. Make sure you listen for the Key David program. Trumpet Daily Radio Show and Trumpet Hour are coming your way. For myself, Dwight Falk, and Grant Turgeon, enjoy the rest of your day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Listening to Trumpet Radio, 101.3 KPCG.